Welcome to the Wildly Tarot Podcast. Hi, Esther. Hi, Holly. I remembered this time. You're very good. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm good. But I heard that you have the inside track to some old MTV stuff. Very smooth transition, my You're dear. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, so my dad, my whole life before, before like, five years ago was a media analyst. So I always cared a lot about like how people consume media. That was always something that really interested me. And I was telling him this weekend about this website that Nathan found. And I'm sure that other people have heard of it uh, before called Pluto.tv. And basically it's like taking us back to a time before people had streaming. Like it is so similar to just actually having cable. But Uh so, okay. Basically it's like, like, all of these really hyper specific channels of like just one show or just one genre of shows. Okay. So there's like an entire channel of just unsolved mysteries. <gasps> there's an entire channel of just forensic files. Oh my there's gosh. an entire channel of just MTV's the challenge, which <gasps> I love. Yes. And it's like, so it's like you could watch it at any point, but you don't get to choose which episode you just drop. Oh, you just go it. in. Okay. Uh-huh. And it's ad supported. So you, okay. it's free. It's ad supported. So I was telling my dad like, oh, it's been so fun. Like I was watching like hours and hours of that MTV show Next. Do you remember? Did you yes, watch that? I remember, Next, I remember sneaking <laughs> while my parents were gone. I would go into their bedroom and because they were the ones that had TVs in their bedroom. like a small yeah. TV. So I would turn yeah. on Next and I was like, hee hee, like as a 13 year old, like I'm watching MTV. <laughs> I'm not allowed to. But Next is and- one of the TV shows. Did your parents do the thing where they'd then come back and they'd feel the top of the TV to see if you'd been watching TV while they were? No, it was too high. So they couldn't reach the top. But I I would always remember what channel they had it on before they left. So when I left the bedroom, I could turn it back to the channel they had it on previously. Okay. Did you ever take it the step further, which was turn it to another channel and then back to that channel? Yes. So they wouldn't wouldn't be able to do this. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is like such a specific thing that today's child would never experience. They would never know. It's really fun to not have to think about what you want to watch. Like if you want background noise to just put on a channel of a TV show that you know you're fine with. And the other funny side effect is that I watched so many commercials of people trying to solicit for class action lawsuits yesterday, just like daytime cable of our childhood had, where it would be like, like... If you've been hurt by somebody, please call 1-877-309. Exactly. And that's exactly (laughs) what it is. Like I saw, I saw one a bunch of times yesterday for people who used Roundup and then were diagnosed with a specific Mm. kind of cancer, like the weed killer. Yes. But it's so much fun to just like mindlessly not have to like choose a show, choose Uh which season you're interested in, whatever, just put something on and have it on in the background. And my dad was laughing so hard about the fact that that's like literally what cable was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then now we've like gone full entire circle. We've gone gone planetary to Pluto, like full entire. Yeah. I just want somebody else to come up with the programming and I want to not have to choose. And that's exactly what this (laughs) is. What you got. (laughs) Plus like the MTV dating channel is Uh all these shows from the early 2000s, which are like, oh my God, this is where so many weird idiosyncrasies of the way that I saw Uh the world came from sneaking to watch those shows. Like there was what, I don't even remember what it was called, but the one where, um, 
like a family, like parents and the current girlfriend watch the boyfriend date other people or, and obviously the oh, genders yes, yes, can yes, be yes, swapped yeah, yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. but it's like the weirdest situation ever because it's the current partner and the family of the current partner <laughs> watching the partner. Date and, and I other remember people. like the parents being like, ha ha ha. He likes her more than he likes. You yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like so weird. <laughs> I can't believe that was a show. And not only was it a show, but there were like seasons and seasons of it. And uh, the other, thing that I keep thinking of is these people who were like you know in their late teens early 20s in the early 2000s when all of this stuff was happening must all be approaching 40 now probably fully grown adults I wonder if they like look if they're like shit I heard that Pluto TV is showing that season of whatever stupid (laughs) dating show I was on I hope (laughs) nobody makes the connection between my face and my name I almost want like another old MTV show, uh, True Life. Did you ever watch True Life where it's like all auto? Oh, yes, True Life. Stuff. Yes, yes, yes. I think a uh, updated True Life, I was on a reality dating show in the early 2000s would be very worth watching. Like, I want to see yes. the behind the scenes. I want to know what ended up happening in their lives because they participated in this craziness. I love I it. So, so many much. questions. So good. So anyway, if you're looking for a free and mindless way to consume old TV. <laughs> I'm here for like the forensic files because I, I go to sleep to forensic files. Yeah, it's it really, it was, insomnia. it's so nice. You don't have yeah. to think like, did I see this one already? You're just like yeah. here for I've, the ride. I've seen them all and I know the mystery gets solved at the end and there's only like two in the, the entire series that have never gotten solved. So you know, it's a nice happy ending. And the murder. Unsolved Mysteries has the Robert Stack season. Oh, so you can get yes. like into real old school Unsolved Mysteries. And it's just really fun. There's like also some like news channels or whatever, but I just, it's so perfect as background noise. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for that tip. You're welcome. And it was a very smooth transition. I'm proud of you. Thank I was going to make you I've, talk about yourself. I've been practicing. <laughs> card of the day it is i was pulling up our outline because apparently i exited out of it while we were talking so right, card of the day i'm using spacious tarot today ah okay card of the day two three four five six seven <laughs> the six of wands oh i love this I so love much the, the six, six of wands. wands that's great we're victorious holly we're doing our well, thing We always are, but more so now than ever. Let's go with that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so our first episode question, question of the episode, there we go, is from (laughs) Chris. And she asks, I have a deck or three that I love, but the finish is so terrible. They are sticky and impossible to shuffle. This is even worse on Oracle cards because they're huge too. Is there a way to fix this? Smooth them out so they're not sticky? So, yes and no. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen people do some pretty banana stuff. Yeah. Like, literally sanding the edges of each card. Because Mm -hmm. there's, like, a couple of different ways the cards can be sticky. Sometimes it's that the edging, like, is too thick. together, yeah. 
Yeah. Or like the gold, so, like that gold um, gilding, gilding like sticks together a little bit. Yeah. For some decks, like what the modern witch tarot, for example, yeah. like the actual cards themselves, like full face, just kind of cling to each other. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's like magician's powder that makes cards slide against each other more easily. But the only thing that I, and I have not bought that, so I could be totally right. wrong. Um, but the only thing that I've like had a lot of success with is just sh- like using it and trying to get my finger greases all over right. it <laughs> to try yeah. to make it a little bit more soft and worn in that way. Sometimes it is the card finish itself because like the rose petal finish, like we always talk about, it's like you can't do anything to make it better. It's not going to, yeah. it's not going to slide like for what was it? The threads of fate, one of their first editions it's that finish and it literally won't stop sticking to each other. So sometimes it is just the card finish and you can't really do anything other than buy a different deck. Like, because they have like thirds of fate has different editions with different card stock. So yeah. The other thing that you could do is just alternate the way that you're trying to use it. So like if you normally do sort of like a fanning method and then pulling card for energy, figuring out like if for certain decks you just have to do it only by cutting the deck and then yeah. however you cut it is the card that you're using or whatever and just kind of be adaptable in that way because I think that that's like th- something that we've learned so much more about recently now that there are so many more printers to print decks is like mm-hmm. the people like all kinds of different decks. Like some people, yeah. I, like me included, I'm kind of fine with coastery decks because I don't yeah. tend to fan unless I'm reading for somebody else. Right. So I don't mind them to feel a little bit coastery. And then like, for example, the, what is that? Mary L Tarot that our friend oh, Logan yes. got me for my birthday. Literally right before I was sitting down to record, I was moving that deck from one place on my desk to the other. And it must've been slightly tipped in some way, but the entire deck like flew <laughs> and like sprayed all over the room. Seriously. Yeah. I was like, how did they get so far? But it's because the finish is really beautiful and soft and supple and smooth. And it's great for fanning out and fantastic. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's dangerous. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I can't handle that kind of finish. Yeah. I want to, but it's hard. Yeah. I almost wish wish Chris had given us a list of what decks she's kind of referring to because it'd be easier to kind of be like, okay, well, if you talk about the good tarot, the, the good tarot, you know, you just have to like work them in a little bit more and stuff like that yeah. because those are bigger cards and like the finish is sort of like postcardy, like a little bit slick and sticky at the same time, you know, so. Yeah. So one, an, another place that you, what is the name of this Facebook group? Um, there's a Facebook group that I'm in about cart deck modifications, Tara with scissors, deck modification, crafts and art. And it's like 5,000 people, but they have a lot of people who mod it for like visual reasons, but also people who mod for those sorts of reasons. Mm-hmm. So that could be a good resource if you have questions about a specific deck to go there and see if you can find people who've had the same experiences, but as frustrating as it is, it really does seem like the most effective way to get decks to stop sticking together is to wear them down. And yeah, way. not like yeah. emotionally, but literally <laughs> wear them down. Wear them down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause a lot of it is stuff that like, maybe there's just like a, I, I think that the biggest, the one that I dislike the most is when guilting is just a little bit too raised up. And so it always I think that the original Mystic Mondays have this problem, like the Kickstarter version of Mystic mm-hmm. Mondays, 
um, where the gilding was just raised slightly enough that all the cards would sort of like get stuck in that way. Like the gilding would sort of like not be able to pass each other. Uh And also it was sticking up so much that it would scratch the surface of the card. Right, right. And that, the only way you can really get around it is just to use it and make it so that the gilding is worn down enough that Mm -hmm. it isn't making the weird stickiness anymore. Or alternatively, just take off the edges. Yeah. Like trim the deck. Trim the deck. And then that will probably help too. I mean, it makes it a little bit less structurally sound, I think. Mm-hmm. Cause you could get some chipping and stuff. But if I always, I mean, I'm like the worst collector of decks ever because <laughs> I'm totally fine with chopping everything up, but I feel yeah. like it's ephemera anyway. If you're using paper cards for stuff, it's not going to always be a pristine paper card. You just can't keep paper pristine. Mm -hmm. It's really, really hard. And I trimmed Modern Witch Tarot because I like the look of it more. And it was already hard to shuffle as it was and in its big form. And then Mm -hmm. in trimming it, you can't really riffle shuffle it anyway. But to me, it's more manageable, like size wise. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So for me, that was like a bonus to me trimming that deck down specifically because it was sticky to begin with and I'm not really losing anything by trimming it down. So Right. And it's yours. Yeah. I like it. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that maybe that's another distinction is if it's a mass market deck or something that's easily that's still printed regularly, you I mean there's no reason to not trim something. Yeah. Cause worst case scenario is that it's not like a even block of cards and that's mm-hmm. kind of cool too like yeah a little more personality a little homemade and like it's your like deck and it's yours and it's a little yours. funky yeah a little funky good luck chris and yeah, yeah i would say that that uh tarot with scissors page is has a lot of people talking about specific decks so that could be a good resource if you're looking for like advice on a specific deck yeah yeah definitely Yay. And our second question is from an anonymous person. Oh. And anonymous says, so I've gone through a rough time for quite a while now facing childhood abuse and worse. I'm facing my demons now and making great progress. I'm doing well and improving my relationships overall. And I'm in a great place still, or maybe therefore my past actions haunt me. I was never violent, but for an example, I stole a handbag once thing. Many things have been stolen from me before. So I know the struggle and the emotional pain And I don't know why I did it then maybe to feel anything at all or to compensate in a context of like, I can take whatever I want because things have been taken from me. I don't know how to bring these two versions of myself together since I'm a different person now, but am I though? I think that that's a interesting question. Conundrum. Yeah. Because anonymous is doing a lot of self work and facing demons. And I think part of that is always going to be having to learn how to forgive your more in the moment of damage self, you know? Right. Yeah. So maybe just pulling cards for like sort of how to move on from past transgressions and like, maybe like how to reconcile that. Yeah. How to reconcile your past and your future. Like moving on. Does it really resolve like how these two versions of them can exist? And That's as true. Some, someone who had, who has, like similar things with anonymous that will, that propensity always kind of feels underneath the surface, but it's sort of like accepting at that time that that was something that happened and saying, okay, that's in, that's been inside me that may still be inside me, but it's kind of reconciling. Like now I'm a changed person in different ways and kind of like accepting 
kind of like allowing the person who you are now to sort of like cover the person you were. You know what would also maybe even this is like so simple, but maybe just doing a past, present and future with the context of reconciling the past with the present and the yeah. moving forward. Yeah. Like just framing it as past, present, future. I haven't done that in forever. In, yeah. <laughs> Literally yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. But, that, I, but the nice thing about that is that it is addressing the feelings of the past also. So we can kind mm-hmm. of put a name on it and then move into the reconciliation. Right. And put moving these two sort of things together. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I got the queen of swords. Okay. I went ahead and pulled for all three of them. Cause I wasn't sure if you, oh, were, if we were just doing, that's a good idea. Let me pull for the other two. Also, that's a really okay. good idea. You genius. <laughs> I'm just, I was just like, I can't see Holly like pulling anything. So I don't know if she's pulling one card or three cards. So I'm just going to pull three just in case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like this a lot. Okay. So yeah. do we want to just go you, through one by one? Yeah. One or, by one. Yeah. So like past. I got the queen of swords. What did you get? I got the nine of swords. Okay. I feel like with that combination, I am getting this sort of like instinct of sort of like being too, so focused on kind of what's the exhaustion that's going on around you that you're not really able to rationalize yourself as being like part of a community almost like you feel really isolated. I think the, downside of or like one shadow element of the queen of swords is sort of like some selfishness and some rationalization that is not like necessarily as like open to how others may be feeling and paired with something like the nine of swords which is just so exhausted it's almost like the past was like you not really able to look beyond your own scope of exhaustion and pain Mm-hmm. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense given the context of like childhood abuse and all of that stuff. Yeah, especially like my nine of swords from Spacious Tarot. It's like this little mouse that's trapped by all these swords, like like physically in the darkness, like you're not able to Aww. escape that. And so, I think especially the context of your childhood, that Queen of Swords and the Nine of Swords, like there's. Just, just spoiler alert, there's another swords in my little spread here. So, Oh, really? Well, let's so, move on to that. You know, so I have the ace of swords as a present. So to me, it's like you're trying to, re- like, to kind of reclaim that sword for yourself. You're yeah. trying, you know, to sort of, like, not only renew things, but also, like, cut through bullshit that you were, like, told in the past and things like that transpired. And I got the 10 of wands for present. And so I feel like that's kind of an interesting combination because it's like the action side is so worn down and you had such a worn down action side, like, you know, in the past. Mm -hmm. So in the present, the action side is so worn down, but the thoughtfulness and like intellectual stimulation is at the very peak of, or like the very precipice of change. Uh And I like that combination because it's kind of saying like you're pushing yourself and you need to keep pushing yourself because everything will make more sense. There's like a lot of power that's happening right now, Mm -hmm. even though maybe you feel like physically sort of exhausted or like you've gone through a lot. You recognize you've gone through a lot, but you're sort of at a precipice of like an understanding and a control and an intellectual 
capability and like maybe understanding of who you are and what it all means mm-hmm. is happening simultaneously with feelings of being kind of exhausted from everything that you've gone through in the past. And I was reminded from the um, like Stephanie Pubin law. Is that her name? The one who did Shadowscape's tarot, her 10 of wands mm-hmm. was community based and you, you like realizing your community burden. And I think yeah. that may also ha- like, you've come to this realization of like your responsibility in as a community member and that this realization is kind of pushing you forward to like pick, t- take up the sword essentially and you defining yourself now. Yeah, like, totally. By your standards and not yeah. by the past, essentially. What did you get for future? Four of Wands. So really happy future. Good future. Yeah, and... I got the eight of cups, which is kind of interesting because a little bit of that is like, like how you're perceiving Mm -hmm. the future. Like there's a lot of kind of like options for how you can move forward from there. And some of that involves, I mean, on this card, interesting, interestingly, the eight of, uh, whoa, I'm losing all of my, what? (laughs) Was it the eight of vials? (laughs) Yeah, eight of elixirs. Elixirs, okay. Vials is in... Numinous, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So, but the the elixirs on the eight of elixirs include soul journey, aura cleanse, despair, wake up potion, the void, and let go potion. Yeah. And the whole idea of the eight of cups is about like, like, oh my God, I'm losing my mind. That's okay. <laughs> I just was totally thinking of the seven of cups for like the oh, last no. 30 seconds. <gasps> I think it's just uh, like where it's the card of progression and you have to choose which, where you're progressing. Like, is it the card of progression towards like a negative journey, like going backwards and like not progressing in a good way? Or is it a progression that's towards... And to me, with the four of wands, it's towards making your own happiness and making your own, like, defining yourself through this process and what that means for you. Yeah. Man. Okay. Yeah. My seven of cups, eight of cups thing just, like, really fucked with my head. But now I'm, like, trying to get back into it. Okay. I think the four of wands and the eight of cups is also kind of interesting because, like, the eight of cups... While it's less choicey than the seven of cups, which is where my brain was, there's also like more intention behind it. Like you're, mm-hmm. you've already chosen to move towards something that's more positive and that's more like, I don't know, supportive and that's more celebratory and that's more proud of yourself and all of those things. And I think that the eight of uh, cups is really nice paired with the four of wands in that context, because it's saying like the future is something that you like if you choose to let go. And the other thing that I really like about the traditional eight of cups is that, um, or the writer Wade Smith specifically is that the cups are already like put together. Like all Mm -hmm. of those cups are upright. You've carefully stacked them. They're like there, you did a good job. Now you can walk away from it. And I like that in a future sense because it's almost like you're not saying that none of that happened. You're not like, you know, tower momenting your past. You're not trying to ignore it or to like kick it over or to pretend it wasn't there. You're just saying I've done everything I could. Mm -hmm. I've stacked those cups neatly. I've thought about them a lot. And now I am leaving them behind and I'm going towards something that I'm choosing that's better for me. There's like 
some, I mean, a lot of people read the eight of cups with a tiny bit of sadness, mm-hmm. kind of like the six of, of swords. But I think anytime, I mean, this is like kind of a consistent problem with me. And I've talked about it on the <laughs> podcast a lot because I'm always like, every time anyone asks for any advice, I'm like, leave, <laughs> find a new job, move right. on. I mean, not really. I, when I was first starting, I did that a lot more. Um, but still, I do think that like, there's a, like, even though some people read a little bit of melancholy into the mm-hmm. eight of cups, I think that you can recognize that there's some melancholy in it with all, without also feeling like you still need to bring some of those cups with you. Like the whole right. idea is that you're still leaving all of them behind you. You're leaving all of that sort of emotional energy and that pursuit of like moving through this and sort of like a therapeutic way you're just sort yeah. of leaving that behind you're moving forward you're kind of like finding new directions yeah it's to me it's kind of like you've you've built and you've accepted what you've built and you're like okay this served me for this time in this place and i'm leaving you here and walking forward he, like you've made your amends you've done all that you can do to kind of do reparations for whatever is possible whether it be like you know actually contacting the person and being like, I'm sorry, I stole this from you. Like if you know the person sort of thing, like if they were like your friend's mother or something or, you know, given back yes, to your cha- I think you're veering into some autobiographical territory. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, but or just... Like um... let's say it's your friend's glitter eyeshadow and <laughs> you just took one and she had like 15 of them. So yeah, it's probably like, fine. Why not? You know, or it's, um, or it's like giving money to a charity for, you know, children who came from abusive backgrounds of the same yeah. amount of money you stole. Oh, so it's idea. kind of like you know, you make amends in the way that you feel that is appropriate for like, not the punishment for the crime sort of stuff, but just like make amends as best you can and t- see that and then move on from that point. Like, don't take those cups with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's like a big component of it is that the eight of cups isn't saying, and then you bring those, then you go <laughs> grab those cups, put them in your bag and bring them with you. It's like, no, you leave them behind. You leave behind that idea or that, you know, like emotional connection or whatever. And then you can get to that four of wands. Like you can yeah. celebrate the fact that you're able to leave that behind. Or you can see it as moving from the place of like emotional sort of darkness towards a place of celebratory action or whatever. But there's like a couple of different ways to move forward. But none of them involve taking those cups with you. Yeah. Yeah. Should we go into anything else for this? Maybe like action steps you can take to re- to reconcile the reconcile past. past okay. Present. Just action steps ish, okay. rather than vibe checks. Yeah. Oh. What did you get? Okay. Again, I got more swords. So, Elder of Swords, I believe, is the King of Swords in Spacious yeah. Tarot. I think so. So too. it's bringing that rationality. It's bringing in those um, like clear thinking. It's not being swayed by emotions at that time. It's just kind of like looking at a situation. And I also got the three of swords. So it's recognizing oh. the pain and addressing it and realizing that it served a time and purpose, but also pulling out those swords and fixing the wounds essentially. Yeah. So. And I got the emperor, which I think aligns really closely with, with the, the king, king of swords. Of swords. Yeah. Just like, kind of boundaries and like, like 
I think being able to name what the problem is is a component for both of these like kind of controlling figures. Do you like that I use air yes. quotes when it's just you and me looking at each other in an audio <laughs> medium? Uh, <laughs> I love it. Controlling. You get the air quotes, right? Yeah. Controlling. Um, <laughs> controlling sort of figures like the any king, but especially yeah. the king of swords because the king of swords is like so rational. And the emperor is also seen as so rational. So like being able to put words to what the issue is mm-hmm. means that you can sort of establish control over what the problem was in yes. some ways, because you can put words to it. You can name that you can see it. And then you can sort of isolate it in some way, because that's the other component of both of those figures is like, this is a thing that exists And Uh now like you're not having to like link to yourself to it because both of those figures are so rational. Yeah. And I also, I don't remember in the message if Anon mentioned if they were going to counseling or therapy, but that's really something that a therapist could help define things for you because sometimes you're so like enclosed in what your own childhood was and that they're able to identify and put definitions to what you were experiencing and like reactions that you did and how, I don't want to say you acted out because, but at the same time as someone who similarly behaved that way, like it was definitely like there were, there were things that led up to me making those choices and like, I can see rationally now, like, okay, I was kind of set up to do this, like, yeah. like emotionally set up by my family background, emotionally set up by me wanting more friends and wanting to have cool things and not wanting to appear poor. Yeah. Like, it's like a lot of these factors that go into our decisions when as children, we're not like, we can't define that for ourselves. Yeah. And so having someone else like a counselor or a therapist to help us with that. Like that may be something to go into as well as we're like, yeah. And especially and with, like yeah, especially with those actions of being too kind of like, like very rational figures like that yeah. could definitely indicate that some outside structure would be helpful. Yeah. yeah. Well, good luck anonymous. Yes. Good luck. We love you. And um, we hope that your journey to your next step will be so happy and four of wands ish. <laughs> yeah. And good job on taking care of that stuff too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Patreon shout out. Patreon shout out. Yes. We have a Patreon supporter to shout out this week. Kyle is our newest Patreon supporter this week and we appreciate it. Our Patreon has a lot of fun content and also helps us keep this whole thing going. Yeah. Um, so Kyle, your card is the six of wands wow wow love it have a great week <laughs> we pulled that early in the episode too how how are we gelling today holly i know seriously so good so good uh do we have any announcements nope no i can't think of any <laughs> nope we're, no doing, we're just keeping it together people yep we love doing you. everything we can that's the most announcement we have yeah the most announcement is that we really appreciate you we think we're you're great also we got two emails yesterday both of which made us incredibly happy i know one was a literally, quilt pattern <laughs> yeah one was a quilt pattern from savannah none of us neither of us are quilters do you know how to quilt i don't know how to. i quilt. know how to quilt. i know how to do all the things but yes. okay <laughs> i don't know how to quilt uh so if anyone's looking for a project <laughs> <laughs> Can we have a I cannot pay you fairly, though. I cannot pay you fairly. I asked 
one of my quilting friends. Like, how much would a quilt, like, commissioning a quilt cost? And it's she expensive. gave me a figure that was three times what I thought I would be yeah. expecting. It's not yeah. that I devalue quilters' no. work. It's that I literally have no frame of reference for it yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. If you want something, like, hand-knit or hand-quilted or hand-crocheted, it's probably just more, like, cost-effective to just learn yourself. Because it's yeah. easy anyway. But... Otherwise, it doesn't seem easy. It is easy. It is. So I guess the moral of the story is that I really, we both really like getting emails of people (laughs) just being like, hey, we saw this thing and thought of you or whatever. And especially when it's something so cool like that. So I really loved it. And then Savannah also, I sent Savannah an email back that was like, Savannah, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I'm going to ask one of my quilting friends if they like can make it or whatever. And Uh she said what her strategy for it was going to be. And in the email, she said, this won't make any sense to you, but your quilty friends will know exactly what I mean. (laughs) And I was like, I feel so seen. (laughs) I love it. I was like, I really don't know what that means whatsoever. (laughs) Maybe I should just learn how to quilt. Like I need another expensive hobby though. Yeah. The fabric gets expensive. And the sewing machine. But once you have like all that stuff. I have a sewing machine. It's not currently functional, but I bet that I can figure out. See, I learned how to hand sew because I was at an old church with a lot of old ladies. Yeah. I mean, that's what I normally do for mending is just hand sewing because it's just faster to just do that. But I've never quilted. I guess I have literally with a church lady friend. Yeah. But I was like probably 12 and then I didn't do it ever again after that. So I made the coolest (laughs) culottes for camp. I made like four <laughs> pairs of culottes out of the worst You should write possible. a children's book called The Coolest Culottes, culottes for Camp. camp. By <laughs> Esther Thea. Yeah. It was like, what name are we going to use for that I know. One? Which, Actually, which names? <laughs> <laughs> coolest Culottes for Camp could be your actual, actual IRL name. name. I know. It's true. <laughs> and your family would be like, Culottes sounds about right. Camp sounds about right. <laughs> coolest not so right but she can think she's the coolest it's like a Amelia with culottes yeah (laughs) she's she's like wonderfully oblivious to how like not cool her culottes are oh man I loved Amelia Bedelia that is such a fun series it is okay sorry this is what happens when we don't have a list of actual announcements shall we do our deck of the week (laughs) I don't I'm hesitant to say yes well well, we have to because otherwise this episode is 37 (laughs) minutes max and okay 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 we'll do the deck of the week You've okay, so my this arm. one is a weird one. So we've talked about before how we buy every single deck that we review. And so we only really review decks that we already kind of like because we wouldn't buy them otherwise. But this is a deck that we were hoodwinked into purchasing by our friend Rachel. Yes. Who got it in the mail, posted like a bunch of images. But for some reason, both of us got so enthusiastic about it so quickly that we immediately purchased it without any research. Because we like birds. That's our thing. I think we were distracted by the birds. It's all the freaking Corvids. If you have a bunch of ravens and shit, I'm going to buy that. Yeah. It's a problem. But anyway, so it's funny because normally we have like really, really, really positive things to say. We're, we're, and, we're usually very enthusiastic. And earlier this week, Esther was sending messages like, <laughs> like literally, I think one of the ones he said is, I like 60% of these cards. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like 80% negative, 20% positive yeah. about these cards. That's where we're at right now. The ratio can exactly. like shift through the week. Maybe Holly's like positivity can rub off on me but that's why uh, right no now. because i i realized that my favorite cards pile is huge because halfway through not halfway 
one eighteenth of the way through looking for favorite cards, it just turned into cards that were, uh, I'm sorry, what cards? (laughs) (laughs) So it's not, but the thing is, we'll talk about it, but okay. We're talking about the Hush Tarot. Uh, the Hush Tarot is from us games. The artist is Jeremy Hush. He's an actual fine artist. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's kind of and not fine artist as in like, he's fine, but he like, I was like, Ollie, he's like, he's so fine. Like, or, or that kind of fine. I've not seen any pictures, so I have no idea. Uh, but he's like a fine artist. Like he creates fine art. He has like gallery exhibits. He has kind of a presence. Um, so presumably that's why us games picked up this deck. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting and I'm going to read a couple of different things, which I normally try to not do, but, um, us games says the hush tarot beckons readers to explore an alluring world where animal and human spirits are unified. And even the smallest creatures like ravens and hares have great significance. That's what got us. Cause we yes. love small creatures. Yes. At times, they appear lost in the weeds, but there's always a hidden clue guiding them the way out. The fascinating characters and landscapes are illustrated with lush detail inspired by a 19th century aesthetic that explores natural forms in various states of life and decay. We also like decay. Yeah. But this isn't... Uh, Hush Tarot offers a shift in perspective that reveals profound answers to life's mysteries. So then I want to read his little intro from the little white book, which also I didn't realize, and this is probably stupid of me, but a lot of us games guidebooks are downloadable on their website. Like little white books, just in PDF form on their website. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So Jeremy Hush says about this own deck about his own deck. The creation of this tarot deck has been a lifelong odyssey of personal experiences. Hush Tarot represents a specter of dreams, a destination without end, a compilation of creativity and personal inspiration. Much of my life has been spent on the move. While my surroundings have changed, I've always maintained a special kinship with animals, and I've carried the unbroken connection with my pen in my hand. My art is my world, and my world depicts nature as being bigger than any individual person, where the smallest creatures look down on us. It's a place that feels like home, but still has an element of danger, adventure, and mystery. The element of mystery has drawn me to the tarot with its unknown origins and its depth of symbolism and hidden meanings. I don't know if you could hear the eye roll with the unknown origins, but it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yet the cards can speak uh, to absolutely anyone in a very personal way. In Hush Tarot, my characters are always on a journey. They appear lost in the weeds, but there's always a hidden clue guiding them the way out. And then it kind of goes into what the, um, U.S. Games listing says. Okay, okay. Um, I'm hoping my creativity will inspire readers to follow their own imagination and lead more productive and creative lives. Hush Tarot weaves the lives of animals and humans together on common ground and equal footing. The animal and human spirits are unified. The idea of spirit animals figures significantly in this deck. They act as guides with characteristics that we all relate to. The smallest creature can have the largest impact. The greatest question can be answered by the slightest shift in perspective. Tarot is a piece of history that has endured through the ages. Okay. (laughs) As the world grew and changed, tarot has survived and has been interpreted by artists of all kinds. It has been a lifelong dream of mine to be part of this legacy. Okay. So this is where my brain is right now with this. Okay. Okay. I am all, I think that this is like kind of almost a controversial thing to say because I feel like a lot of people disagree with me, but I am totally fine with artists using the tarot as a prompt for art creation. Yeah. 
Like, I think that that's a great idea. I, my aunt is an artist and she a while ago was like, oh, I'd love to do a deck with you because the idea of being given these themes and archetypes and then creating a piece of art for each one is really compelling. Yeah. It takes away a lot of the stress of having to come up with meaning for your own work. You can just say like, okay, I want to make this. And so I'm going to do it. So I have no problem with that. So I just want to say that I really love it when people do that. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'll buy their deck, but I think that that's a fine strategy for artists to utilize the tarot. Yeah. The minute that somebody talks about how unknowable tarot history is, it really loses me because then it turns (laughs) into like a, he knows, like, I don't know if this is the case for Jeremy Hush, but it makes me feel like this is designed for fans of his art, not for tarot readers. You know what I mean? Yes. Because the idea that tarot is so unknowable is just like actually false. Yeah. The history of tarot may not have specific dates, but they do have time periods that are not ageless. It is yeah. solidly 1500s moving forward, like with a huge resurgence in the early 20th century. Like, yeah, it's it's not that hard to tra- track that line. So the minute that people start talking about the unknowable history, I'm just like, this is not for tarot readers then because tarot readers know that the history is knowable and know that there's like all of these actual humans who created these things and whatever. So that's one area. Part of it's like the fake lore that we always kind of come up against. Like this, that's not exactly accurate. And if you're trying to force that mystery in your deck, then what is the purpose? Well, and there are a lot of things that are mysterious about tarot that you can point to that aren't the actual history of the cards themselves. Like you can say people have been using forms of divination involving cards for way longer than we may know. But you know, as far as we know, tarot's like, Tarot cards, as we know them, were created mm-hmm. in this time period. Yeah. So that's the one thing that just, like, kind of makes me feel weird. Um, and then also the use of spirit animals. Like, come on, that was, this deck yeah. came out in 2020. Like, <laughs> it just makes me feel like the like I, Jeremy Hush may be very involved with the tarot the esoteric community. community. But given my previous research, like, in order to create the outline, I don't see him as being that involved. So it seems mm-hmm. more like using tarot as art prompts and maybe seeing it as sort of like a parlor trick or like yeah. a, like even the deep, deep mystery thing kind of can be a little bit weird. But anyway, so that's one thing. But I mean, again, this that isn't reason enough for me to not like it. So I'm going to read also then my last little reading something is a blurb from somebody called Joy Shannon who writes on the OC art blog. And this is just about hush in general, which I think is helpful Okay, for context. They say Hush creates immensely detailed work using a ballpoint pen and found materials for pigment, often using his fingerprints to create shading, giving his work an aged, textured, and timeless quality. Hush's work reminds me of being small again, but even smaller than I ever once was, being surrounded by nature with the flurry of activity one finds under rocks and decaying logs, seeming larger and noisier because of the shift shift in proportion. Hush's work, illustrated with lush detail inspired by natural forms in various states of life and decay, could be as at home among Victorian botanical etchings as it is among contemporary illustrations. Hush's work takes the 19th century aesthetic much deeper by adding its own cast of fascinating feminine, masculine, and animal characters journeying through his haunting landscapes, intriguing the viewer to attempt to chase down the phantom narratives. So when I was like, do it, you should look him up because I actually think that his art outside of this tarot deck is really cool. And I, I can yeah. absolutely see big prints of it being in even my house, especially oh, yeah. like 
anyone who kind of likes that macabre look, like he's aligned with, um, shoot, what's that artist who also has a tarot deck that used all of his art, but he is not alive today. Shoot. I meant to write it down. It doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) so he has like this really cool, what is it? Oh my God. He's like a fairy tale artist and I'm definitely not going to be able to cut. It starts with an R though. I think. This is really fun R- for rock, people to rack listen to, right? rock, rock, Yeah. Something like that. Rack. rack rackling? No, what it's not. Fuck? It's. I think it's. it ends Rap with an King? M, I think. Ra- rackham? Something like rack, that. Rackman. Rackham. Rack, You're right. Rackham, I think. Rackham. Oh. My phone is talking to me. <laughs> I don't even know what it was telling me about. Rackham. Yes. Is you it nailed it. You beautiful, oh! beautiful genius. <laughs> Yeah, it's rock. So I was actually Arthur looking at that deck yesterday. <laughs> Whoever is like, I, if you didn't cut out all of the me struggling to come up with that name, I'm 100% sure that people were yelling at the <laughs> at their phones. Rackham! Holly, it's Rackham! <laughs> okay, Google, what's the artist? Yes. And then all the Googles are like going off like... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, but yeah, I think it's really similar to that. And I do love the use of birds and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But I just think that maybe as a tarot deck, I probably won't use this. But I think the art is cool. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the one thing in my little messages to our little tarot group. I was like, it's a really beautiful deck. Like the artwork itself is stunning. I just don't think that it necessarily fits with tarot as much as it would like an oracle deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about some of the basics of it, and then we can talk about that more in the general impression section, because I think you're totally right. So where to find it? It's a U.S. games deck, so you can find it basically anywhere. Um, How it physically is, I love this I love the cardstock. The cardstock and the card size is perfect. Yeah, so the card size is slightly shorter. It's a three by four and a half, but it feels slightly shorter and slightly wider than a traditional Mm -hmm. tarot deck, and it feels so good in the hand. Yeah. It's like, it's like a soft very mat. soft and matte-ish. I mean, there's not a lot of sheen to it, but they are very still very like slippery and slide super nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not shiny whatsoever. It yeah. feels really sturdy in some ways because mm-hmm. of the lack of shininess. And it's really, really a perfect cardstock. I yeah. really love it. Like USA Games, please keep this card stock with all the other decks. Yeah, because that's true. A lot, a couple of the recent USA US Games that we've gotten have had this card stock, and I really like it. Yeah, um, it comes in a rigid two piece box. It has a little white book that is uh, like a bit more substantial. Um, there's space for notes in the back. There's like very brief um, definitions, both upright and reverse, for all the cards. Pretty much what you'd expect. The spreads that are in the back of the little booklet are kind of cool, though. One of them I really, really like. I didn't even look at the spreads. I was so mad at this deck, I didn't look at the spreads. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there's only one spread in the back. I was wrong. Oh, my God. Okay. This Joy Shannon quote is used in the book, too. So whoever wrote that profile, this profile? Joy Shannon person, is very, very appreciated by the artist because it's like the first thing that comes up when you Google and it's also in the back oh, of funny. the booklet. But this spread that is included is the self-binding influence spread. It's a four-card spread. The energy that wants to flow freely, the energy that binds the flow of the, of the card one. Internal influences and external influences. So it's kind of like a perfect little, very abbreviated Celtic cross almost, yeah. which I yeah. like. I like anything about kind of breaking those binds. Yes, 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 yes. 
Uh, so anyway, yeah, the cardstock is great. The general impression and vibe that this is where we can talk about Esther's or both of our kind of like confusion about it. The birds are great. There are so many good birds. But you know what I was thinking when I was flipping through this? I think the problem is that his actual art is much more sepia toned. And in this, they're like trying to do color tones based on suit. And I think that takes oh. away from the beauty of the art. See, I didn't even notice the color tone by suit because I didn't care. Uh, <laughs> no, um, the car, the, the artwork is very beautiful. I don't want to take away from the artwork itself. Like it's very beautiful, but I like macabre stuff. I like spoopy stuff. Yeah, totally. This like crosses into like, I don't want to say like animal violence necessarily, but there's like some stuff in here that I'm like, this is a little bit too much for me. Yeah. And there's also, so you have any examples off the top of your head? Because I didn't pull any of those. I pulled I all the examples about. from, okay. So let's go with the night of, oh, that's one other thing. Okay. So the cards themselves, where they're set up is at the top, they have the symbol of the suit itself. And at the bottom, they have the label. I hate it when cards do that because visually your eyeballs are like at two different places trying to figure out it's what the card is. It's a lot is. like how the Mucha Tarot does that, yes. where you have, like, it's not, especially when it's, like, such a not specifically tarot-related image in some right. cases. You're like, what is this Right, and it, like, interrupts the flow of your eyes because you want to kind of say, like, okay, this is the Knight of Swords, and this is what the Knight of Swords represents in the picture. When you're trying, there's, like, two different places, it's hard to yeah. kind of... There's that interruption of flow. So that's the one thing like about the cards like the themselves that I did not appreciate that alignment, I guess. But like, so the Knight of of Swords is walking through like a battlefield of oh, like yeah. stuff. And it's like arms everywhere. And it's like a big giant ant. And like, it's not necessarily like blood gory, but you can tell like it's a battlefield of like body parts yeah totally and so it's not like a favorite for me i also have a problem with like the cute little cats through the whole deck like being modeled with like people faces kind of like you would see in um what is that renaissance art no what is that movie where he's like put the lotion yeah you know i'm talking about oh you're talking about silence of the lambs silence of the lambs it's very silence of the lambs where like there's like a person face mask that these cats are playing with in two different cards it happens oh yeah you're right what card is that this is okay so this is the devil so it has like a devil human face that the cat is like Mm. wearing like the cute cats Mm. are wearing and then the other one is the two of swords, which I don't understand. Like so that's the other part of it is like, I don't understand what this How has is to do this with like, swords? yeah, totally. You know, so part of it is like visually there's like, there's some of the cards that like I look at, I'm like, okay. So like my favorite, some of my favorite cards, it's like, okay, I get this nuance. That's really cool. Like I appreciate his viewpoint on this card itself, but then there's others where you kind of just look at it and you're just like, so like what, for yeah. one point like is the judgment card it's just like a woman looking out from like this archway of porcelain and there's stuff like that and you're just like what does that have to do with judgment and you have to <laughs> yeah. like look in the book itself to get what he takes from judgment and then the book it's from the book itself it's not actually kind of aligning as well as- yeah and i again like i don't have any problem with having a really specific artistic vision Right. But in that case, I really all like if there's a very specific artistic vision where you're like, this doesn't align with my interpretation of this card at all. I want the guidebook to say explicitly why those choices were made. Yeah. Like how that decision was made. And then another thing that's kind of weird is there's some like 
chimera stuff. Like the page of swords also has like a bird woman hybrid. Oh yeah. And yes, I think yes. because that's not like consistently used throughout, like the other Kinstero from Ciolo Thompson has a lot of that consistently throughout it. Right. So it all feels really cohesive. And in this case, it's not consistent enough. So it doesn't feel cohesive. It's always a little bit shocking to see it. Right. It's just like, I think for me, and also like I've mentioned before, like I get visually overwhelmed easily. So because it's so like detailed in the art, for me to get his viewpoint, it takes me like a few minutes to look at the card and being like, okay, oh, here's a detail here of this bird holding this thing. So that means this. Okay. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is what they're looking at. Oh, right. This high priestess has uh, writing all over her bracelets or whatever. Maybe that's something to look at. Like it's, it feels a little bit like blocking and intuition because you're having to. So focused on trying to get the actual imagery. Yeah. So I, that's why part of me thinks that it would have been done better as an Oracle deck because I totally. can associate the meanings of what I know from tarot and how I do things and like try to reconcile what, how my vision is of tarot with his vision, like visually of tarot. Yeah. You know, with an Oracle deck, you can co- kind of go in and be like, oh, okay, I see where he's coming from with this. Or it's like, yeah, on the, totally. it's like on, written on there if it makes any sense. So. I wonder if Oracle of Mystery, so we have reviewed Oracle of Mystical Moments before, and mm-hmm. that artist is creating a tarot deck. And I almost wonder if that might end up having some similar things because oh, yeah. I've seen some like chatter where people are like, that's not my interpretation of whatever. But mm-hmm. I think you're totally right. I don't know why people seem wary about creating Oracle decks. I mean, I obviously love them, right. but I do think that they allow for so much flexibility in getting your specific point of a card across mm-hmm. that tarot just like has too much structure to allow for. Yeah. And that's like one of the reasons why I just don't think that this deck would be that good for a beginner because Not there's at all. no way that a beginner could read this. Not at all. Like that, that would was, be like so even hard. like an intermediate was where I was aiming like, and but an intermediate and you kind of, need to study this a bit more to kind of understand where the artist is coming from like yeah, getting the totally. book and seeing their viewpoint just because like like I said with judgment it's just a woman peering out from like pillars like what does that have to do with judgment like yeah because yeah. it's so close to the high priestess cards the images themselves are visually similar so what's that difference when you're looking at it so like that's why you kind of need the artist's interpretation behind it yeah. You know, and sort of getting to know the deck that way more so than what you would like walk into like you would need for a beginner. And it really is. I mean, that's the thing is that if you divorce it from the fact that it's tarot, it's really pretty to me. Oh, yeah. A oh, lot yeah, of definitely. them cards are really pretty. Not all of them. Some of them are horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. like I'm I'm into the style. I just don't think that it works for me as a tarot deck. And I think that it wouldn't. I don't even know if intermediate tarot readers would like it that much. I think this is just a very specific deck for a very specific yeah. type of person. Like, and it's like, how does that happen? How does mass market? I mean, it just, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> who knows? We don't get to choose those decks though. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Do you have any favorite cards that you want to talk about? I have six. I got, I managed to get six because. I have six too. Oh, yay. And we got the six of wands for today. So nice sixes. Six, six, six. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I like the nine of swords because like you can visually see like the depression of these like weighted stones on her head. And I really like like the visual component of that, like that being like something that's weighing her down and things like that. So I really like that representation. Not that she's trapped by these swords, but that is actually like you can visually see that weighing down on her. I like that a lot. 
I do love the Empress because I do love the Corvid sort of like headpiece on her, head. Raven head. I love that. I will say that there were some like visually Asian representative women and most of them were naked. And I kind of was like, Oh, interesting. And so that's what I was like, I was like, eh, not, not the best. Um, yeah. I mean, there were, were, there were other women that were naked, but I just noticed that two of the Asian women were so. Yeah. Um, I do love the sun and the moon because I love the dynamics. They're like basically the same where they have both have like the sun on it and the moon on it. And the Raven is like around it. And I just love the them both kind of in contrast with each other. Yeah, I thought They're that so was pretty. a really, really cool, like, duality thing. Yeah, it was so, so, so cool. Um, I did like the Hanged Man because the Hanged Man is actually off the cross and she's, like, unwinding her feet. So I really like that the Hanged Man is kind of, like, not necessarily, like, you're trapped somewhere or you're patient. It's kind of, like, more of an action-y Hanged Man. Yeah, that's so true, So I did too. like that. So I, I didn't really like the, the mask on the face. I really didn't like that part because... So you know many about, masks. You know me, like, with faces and eyeballs and stuff. But yeah, I like the representation of the Hanged Man actually kind of, like, being a little bit more action-oriented than just kind of passively waiting. Totally. And my last favorite card is the da 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 Seven of Swords because the Corvid is picking up keys. And I just think that represents so well like what how we think of Seven of Swords. Like you're gathering that information, you're gathering all that stuff, and it's not like yeah. you're stealing something or you're betraying someone. So I just thought that was really yeah. cool. Yeah, and it also there's sort of like the element in that because Corvids are so attracted to shiny things. So yeah. like having it be a sort of collection that you can't even, you're not even rationally deciding to make this collection. is just yeah. like something that you're compelled to do. I like that too. Yeah. So what were your favorite cards? Do we have any overlap? I, okay. Actually, five of them are favorite cards. And one of them was like a, this, what I would fuck? literally never guess what this card was supposed to be. Okay. The one that I would never guess is the queen of cups. Oh, yeah. Doesn't that look like a queen of swords to it you? Looks like, like it's, it looks like such a queen of swords. And I love that card, but it's such a queen of swords it's card. It's so pretty, but it's such a queen of swords. So it's like yeah. a very, very close up of the top half of somebody's face. There's not a single cup to be seen, no. but there is sort of like a crown, like a spiky crown that has a bird living in it. And then there's mm-hmm. like a sun and a moon behind it. It's really pretty and it's super gorgeous. cool, but it just is not a queen of cups. Like no. I don't understand at all how that's yeah. what that card is, but it's really, really pretty. I also like the four of wands just because it's really pretty. Again, Yo, there's yes. like all of these white roses surrounding yeah. these wands and it feels really celebratory and cool. Uh, the six of cups has hairs on it. And I think that that's really fun. I like, yeah. I like the use of the rabbits a lot. I do. I, the rabbits and the birds are just so cool. So I'm always going to appreciate that. And in that card, it was interesting because this, there's one cup that's tipped over. So sometimes it's like memories that aren't like good. Yeah. Because so many times we idealize the six of cups, but I, so I thought that was like a neat touch to have one of the cups tipped over that totally. like not all memories are great, you know? Yeah, thing, totally. So. There, it's not just all uplifting, positive stuff when you go into right. nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, I also really liked the 10 of swords because there's a lot of oh, flowers yes. growing out of sort of the women, woman who's laying down on the ground and around her. And I like that component of it because again, it sort of like speaks to the idea that the 10 of swords is like the worst moment. And then that mm-hmm. there's something to come out of it. And the something to come out of it is presumably these calendula blossoms. Yeah. Uh, the death card is pretty cool because there's like a human skull and a oh, yeah. nest. And that's that raptor like so badass. badass. I love that raptor. <laughs> <laughs> And then last but not least, 
Oh, and I didn't even realize that this had a, some snake violence in it. Maybe Which potential one? snake violence. But the hermit, I was more focused on the owl with the clockwork. Oh, the clockwork aside, yeah. I thought that that was really cool, but now I'm thinking that maybe that might be a snake that it's got in its talons, which I like less. Oh yeah, it looks like it. That's fine. So yeah, those are my favorites. I again, I think that the art is cool. I just am not that into it as a tarot deck. Exactly. Yeah. Same. Like like I said, I think it would just. I I feel like I would use it more if it was an oracle deck. Yeah. Essentially. But I mean, I guess what you could do is cut off the meanings and then just use it as a hundred percent intuitive. That's deck. true. Oh, that's true. Like just cut off all of the, the utterage stuff and throw all the the creepy human face mask cards away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like just do your own thing with it. That could be yeah. cool. So now we have to pull a card that represents our relationship with the deck, and I honestly don't even want to. No, I was like, <laughs> can we just skip this portion of the episode? But I'm also curious to see what it will say. It's so. going to be like, this is your most important deck and you're going to love it forever. <laughs> or it'll be like, die, you assholes, die. <laughs> All right. I got the six of swords. It doesn't want to be with me either. I got the seven of wands. So it's oh, like, okay. it's ready to be done. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> so next week. Barring any unforeseen additional mail delays, but it does seem that Esther's package has shaken out of the United States, at least, as of today. As of today. We're talking about the Dark Days Tarot, which is Yay! a square deck that Esther yes. has wanted for a really long really time. Long. I think it was literally like the second deck I wanted. After our tarot, this was the second deck I saw that I was like, I wanted, but the squareness did not. I was like, really? Yeah. So, so that'll be interesting. So barring presumably the decks, the box that has been on its way to Esther for the last Month. two weeks, seriously, for the last <laughs> a thousand years, we'll get to her this week and we will be doing Dark Days Tarot. And also then we won't be grasping at straws because Esther has like 14 <laughs> decks in that box. So it won't be quite so much like, oh shit, what are we going to do? We, what new decks are we going to do? <laughs> so I'm excited about that. Yay. And that's our show. Don't forget to send us your questions. You can find all of our contact information at wildlytarot.com, including a handy dandy form with which to submit questions. If you have any queries or questions about anything that is not like podcast, like for the actual podcast episodes, just shoot us an email uh, at wildlytarotpodcast at gmail.com because the form gets a little bit tricky for tracking purposes. And we also will accept any quilts or yeah. knitted patterns for any witchy sort of stuff. Yeah, so. if you want to send us cool stuff that you find and you're not comfortable with uh, doing it on Facebook or whatever, definitely email it to us. We're, we love that stuff. Yes, and also tell your friends about us and write and review us. It helps us grow. We really appreciate it when you kind of show us your love in that way. Yeah, you can also follow us on Instagram at Wildly Tarot Podcast or join our Facebook community by searching for wildlytarotpodcast.com. Also, do you know how many Instagram followers we have right now? No. 2,399. Ooh. We're so close nice. to 2,500. Yay. And also we have a Redbubble shop with merch and we just got in a design for Wildly stickers. Yes, we did. Well, not just stickers, but like Wildly everything, like a t-shirt, a pillow, a phone case. Yeah. Anything oh you God, want. That's true. Maybe I'll get a phone case that says Wildling on it. I know. Wouldn't that be amazing? 
Yeah. So we'll have to all try to upload that to Redbubble before this podcast episode goes up. I like this way of making sure that stuff gets done. Like blackmailing ourselves into doing shit. Yeah, exactly. It's super great. Um, And remember, 